the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Well, my goodness, here we are, barely a week and a day away from Thanksgiving. Special time of the year, gathering the family and friends and celebrating all the reasons why we're so grateful for God's blessing. But there are families that are hurting this year, and a lot of it has to do with the cost of living, rising inflation, the fact that anticipated increases in Social Security checks come 2024 are not going to be anywhere near what we saw in the past year. And for many seniors and those on fixed incomes, that presents a challenge. Many families are facing dramatic rent increases and struggling to find affordable housing. For seniors living on Social Security, their year-to-year increases aren't keeping up with the rising rent struggles seniors are facing to stay in their homes. Yeah, when I got the notice, was like, I just started crying. I'm going, I'm just going to give up. How am I going to do this? How am I going to find a place? If I took my whole social security check, I could rent an apartment, a lower income apartment, but I would have nothing else. Rent is just so high and I live on $800 a month and there's just absolutely nothing I could find. It's just very tough for us seniors. There's so many of us are going to end up on the streets. And that's just very, very scary. Will I be the next senior that's going to be homeless on the street? Wow, what a question to ponder, particularly at this time of the year. Well, you know, with that thought in mind, we have partnered yet again with the Bay Area Rescue Mission to make sure that seniors, just like we heard from a moment ago, at the very least at Thanksgiving, can truly be thankful because they know they've not been forgotten. Right now, thanks to a grant challenge, which has been extended, doubling your giving today, we like to see if we can't adopt some needy seniors. Did you know that for just $50, you can provide meals for two needy senior families providing a traditional Thanksgiving dinner and on average about 25 meals in each of these boxes of hope. Imagine what that will do for an elderly couple. It will be an enormous blessing and you can make that blessing real by going to kfax.com and clicking on the Bay Area Rescue Mission banner. Your tax deductible gift, double matched, provides so much more than food and shelter. It shows Christ's love without limits at a time when so many of our neighbors are hurting. One of the profound ways in which the Bay Area Rescue Mission is making a difference is in the lives of those that also struggle with substance abuse. Uh, For example, give a listen to Kenny's story. Before I came to the Bay Area Rescue Mission, I mean, obviously, uh, when I came to the Bay Area Rescue Mission, I wasn't I wasn't in a good place. I had been uh, you know living in Santa Rosa, you know, working in four different restaurants, uh, and thought I was doing good. Really thought my life was on track, but then COVID hit, and it just changed everything. And made me not be able to afford because they laid some people off. Not be able to afford you know rent, being able to pay my rent, and so had to move out of the place that I was living at in Sebastopol and move back to Richmond. I wanted to live with my uncle who I hadn't seen, hadn't been around for a while, but when I came back here, I found out that he was homeless, living not too far from where 
the mission's office is downtown. And so, uh, you know, started hanging out with him. I, I love him, you know, dearly. I hadn't seen him in 20 years. And But in, in the course of hanging out with him, of course, I started drinking and started using drugs and, you know, just not having no work. And then my car broke down. And, and one thing after another, kind of a landslide of events. And finally, just it all came to a head, you know, because uh, one of the vehicles got stolen and I was using because I ended up getting a job. It's funny how things can happen in the midst of a whole bunch of uh, a turmoil, you can still have a, there's still a blessing, right? There's still an oasis within sometimes the desert, right? And so my oasis was that I ran into a guy who was working at a park doing some landscaping and I asked him if he needed some help. And he said, yeah, I could use some help. And he said, well, you happened to ask me on a day that a guy didn't show up, so I need somebody to help me. So I helped him and talked to the owner. Yeah, you got a job, your attitude, I like your personality. So I started working for SOS, which is a a safe, organized spaces. They're like a company that goes around and helps the homeless. So, and I love helping people, you know. And before that, I was uh, sweeping the sidewalk where my uncle was living because it was looking so dirty. Uh, and me being a neat freak, I was like, I can't just leave this the way it is. Somebody has to do something, right? And who's going to do it if no one does it but me? And so I did it. And then, uh, sure enough, I get a job uh, sweeping and, and cleaning up around. And it's just interesting how God kind of, you know, sets you up for the next thing he wants you to do. And so, but then before that, I had started drinking and using drugs off and on. And so it's, you know, it all came to a head because one night I was hanging out with some guys at the place that I was living with the company vehicle and the guys came back I dropped them off at home and then they came back and they stole the truck and my boss was like where's the truck and I was like I'm thinking my boss is playing an Austin Kusher joke right like he's punking me or something but I don't know where the truck is and so I I put two and two together and said okay these guys stole the truck while I was asleep and so but that was the last straw that basically I had gone as far as I was going to go and, and now it was time you know for me to do something different and so at that point I, I realized and I had a, had a talk with my boss that hey I needed to uh, you know, get some help. And so with that, I I came to the Barrier Rescue Mission. I had seen the place. I had never been to the Barrier Rescue Mission, didn't know anything about it, and looked in the door and seen all the people in there and was, like, fascinated by uh, such a place because I knew that at that place they help people. And so I wanted to be, I've always wanted to be at a place where they help people. I came here and, and listened to a sermon. They have a 4 p.m. meeting where they have chapel, where people are able to come in and, and listen to chapel uh, service and, and then go and have a meal at 5. And so I came to that service, and in that service, the pastor was talking about don't uh, sweat the small things because it's all small things to God, right? And that God is a God that can make changes and, and he can make a way where there's no way and he can and you know, open doors that no man can shut and those kind of things, right? And so I started to realize that, okay, God doesn't want me to worry about this truck because I had went around looking for this truck that they stole. I want you to worry about you. And so I heard that sermon, went to the window, asked about joining the program at the time since COVID had hit, they were... They were telling me they couldn't let me in because of the restrictions and uh, I'd have to wait until they were open. It took about a year before they finally said, yeah, we're open. You can come in today. And it's been an amazing, uh, you know, an, an amazing journey. It's been a big change. I mean, not only have I been sober for almost uh, three years now, but my mindset is different, right? Because I'm not I'm not hustling for everything anymore. Everything isn't a hustle. Now it's a matter of having compassion and empathy and, and meeting people where they're at and also helping people up, right? And inspiring and, and, and lifting people up and giving people something to believe in and, and sharing, right, the love of God, right, that he puts, uh, you know, in me. And just sharing the peace, joy, love, and patience and, and kindness that, that God has in me with other people. Um, and just, you know, sharing my story with them, right? My testimony, everyone has a story. So the difference is that my attitude is different.
you know, because now I care about you as opposed to caring about what you got. I just got a job at the warehouse as a driver, you know, a slash associate. I came from environmental, but now I'm in a, a paying position. Now I'm a staff, so now it's a whole other world because now I'm making the kind of money that it takes for me to live on my own, and I already got a car and stuff, and I already got a bank account, and I already got things going for me. But I plan on, you know, moving out and living on my own, but I also plan on still working here. But I'm saving money because eventually I want to be a missionary. That's been my dream is to go to another country and be able to share the gospel with people who haven't heard it because that's the thing. Here it's easy because the people of the majority of people here in California and the United States have heard about who God is, who Jesus is. But there's a lot of people in third world countries that haven't heard, you know, unreached areas that nobody's really talked to. And so for me, that's what I'm about. That's what I want to do with my life. That's where I want to I want to help people that not everybody else is thinking about. Isaiah 6, 8, which just talks about God saying, who will I send when he's talking about sending people out? And Isaiah says, send me. Yes, and Indeed, send me. And that ought to be the prayer of each and every one of us. And while perhaps we can't go door to door to provide meals to needy neighbors, we can partner with an organization like the Bay Area Rescue Mission who will effectively do the same thing. Every year at Thanksgiving, the Bay Area Rescue Mission delivers almost 800 boxes of hope and provides tens of thousands of additional meals throughout Thanksgiving week. Won't you help? Thanks to a grant challenge which doubles your giving today, a gift of just $50 will adopt two needy families providing a traditional Thanksgiving dinner with all the trimmings on average, about 25 meals per family, and that's just for a one-time gift of $50. A gift of $100 today can adopt four needy families, providing all of them up to 100 meals. Go online today to kfax.com and click on the Bay Area Rescue Mission banner at the top of our homepage. Remember that your tax-deductible gift, double-matched, provides so much more than food and shelter. It shows Christ's love without limits and introduces hurting families and needy seniors to the hope of the gospel. Give your generous gift today online. Go to kfax.com and click on the Bay Area Rescue Mission banner at the top of our homepage. That's at kfax.com. Remember, every dollar you give is double matched. Every dollar you give is fully tax deductible. God bless you so much in reaching out to hurting families and hurting seniors this Thanksgiving to make sure all of us truly have something to be thankful for. The Bay Area Rescue Mission banner at the top of our homepage. Give now at kfax.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, on today's edition of Lifeline, some tips on how to get yourself gainfully employed once again. This is a big and frustrating uh, process for a lot of folks. As Dr. David Petrofe, an expert in this arena, pointed out just before the break, uh, you mentioned the fact that between 90 and 95% of the jobs that are out there are not coming through the traditional find a job posting, send in a resume, wait for the call, go in for the interview. That happens, but that happens very seldomly. And I would suspect that also suggests that a good percentage of job opportunities that are out there are never posted. What we refer to as the hidden job market. People will say, they'll ask if someone's hiring a specific company. They may not be hiring that day, Craig, but tomorrow someone may quit. Someone may move to another part of the country. Someone may retire. There are always openings occurring within companies. 
who knows about them first? The people within those companies. And quite frequently, a lot of trades don't want to always publicize this because they might be looking to replace existing employees. And it's a bit awkward if you read about your job being posted. This is true. <laughs> pick up the paper tomorrow and find out they're looking at the radio station in San Francisco is looking for a talk show host. I <laughs> say, so, wait a minute. Isn't that my job? <laughs> right. So learning how to discover then the power of the relationship is really key. Um, and we touched on this briefly, um, the idea of selling yourself. Now, mm-hmm. the big question comes down to that there are some folks that don't necessarily have the skill set for this. So when we talk about selling ourselves, is it the hard sell approach or the soft sell approach? And is there circumstances where one is better than the other? In other words, if I meet you maybe at a fraternal organization that we belong together, we've seen each other from across the room but never spoken, and I happen to know that you're a hiring authority for a firm that I'd like to work up work for, do I walk up and say, hi, my name is so-and-so, here's my business card, here's my resume, what can you do for me? What's the best approach? Well, I think there are several ways that you can approach it. First of all, if you go back to the three key points of connecting trust and integrity, does that occur when you are simply handing someone a business card? It's what I refer to as the hit and run. Here's my card. Uh, this is what I'm looking for. Call me. And that person's goal is to distribute as many cards as possible. You know, who was that masked man? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're, we're back to the, the flyers on the windows right. of the cars in the parking right. lot. So what you want to do is to, again, build relationships with people. We know that people are more likely to look at you as a serious contender for a job when you are someone that becomes a known entity. That occurs over time. And so when you network, there are a couple of things to think about. One of them is if you look at networking as a what can you do for me event, there's going to be a problem there. People are feeling taken advantage of. They're taking, they feel like they're being used. That's a word I, I commonly hear is when someone does that, the person at the receiving end feels used. They're now put on the spot because you're asking them to deliver on something that they really know very little about in terms of what role you're going to play if you're seriously considered for the job. I always tell people that when they go into an interview, that I'll ask them, so who do you think is at the greatest disadvantage, you or the person interviewing you? Well, they always say, what's me? And I said, actually, you have less to lose than the person sitting across from you. If they make a mistake in hiring, it can take hours and hours, days, money to undo that choice. So when you walk away and you're not hired, you're basically leaving with what you came with, mm-hmm. okay? Whereas with that other person, they're wondering, am I doing the right thing here in hiring this person? Well, that really takes us back full circle then to underscoring the importance of the trust and the integrity issue. Yes. So when people begin to know who you are, that's less likely to be a problem. I have two people that I've recently, well, one of them actually was within the last few months we met a network at a networking event and just started talking about being there. And in doing so, we began to find out what we had in common. We were both the same age and we were both from Pennsylvania. 
That became the core of our discussion that evening. And we both left with a commitment that we would get back to each other and see where this might take us. Well, at this point, every Tuesday morning, we get together for coffee and we discuss what's going on in our professional life. We both happen to be coaches, but we coach different areas. So we talk about how we can support. We talk about how we can refer. We talk about joint ventures that we can go on together. Uh, he has become what we refer to as a thought partner. Hmm. Okay, He's a person that we I can bounce ideas off of him. He can bounce ideas off of me. But this really began with a sense of common ground then. Right. As opposed to, as you were suggesting a moment ago, the uncomfortableness of the what-can-you-do-for-me scenario where that relationship tends to be tremendously one-sided. I'm unemployed. You are an employer. I want you to give me a job. And so at least initially, it feels very much all about what you can do for Mm -hmm. me. And yet from the other person's perspective, we're never stopping to say, wait a minute, this is what I can do for you. What are you going to do for me? Right. Where's that sense of commonality or give and take? So what you're suggesting is get the footing off the topic solely and singularly of I want a job. Can you help me? into how can we find common ground to begin developing that and nurturing that relationship that is built upon trust and integrity. Right. Wow. That's right. So the other gentleman that I met actually closer to a year and a half ago, he was part of a business referral networking group that I belong to. And he disappeared after a few times of attending. And about a year later, I received a phone call from him. Hey, I remember you from our business referral network. Would you like to get together for coffee? I'm looking at building a network. We meet on a once a month basis. We met this morning for about an hour. His background is IT. He's building his own IT business. Again, a thought partner. He'll give me ideas about how I can use technology in what I do. I give him ideas about how he can help to build his business from my perspective and experience. It puts the relationships on the same footing. Exactly. And it's also, Craig, how I know that what I'm not doing is giving away my business because it's equal. It feels very different from when I sit across the table from a client and work with them in my role as a career coach. So a potential takeaway might be here if, let's say, through our network of of friends and acquaintances, this can be a circle that is as broad as neighbors in the neighborhood, people that we go to church with, people that we attend the same fraternal organizations with, whatever the case might be, extended family as well, um, that we need to sort of retool the approach that this shouldn't be singularly about what you can do for me because I need a job into A, starting with finding common ground and then B, having that sense of parity so that maybe at our initial meeting or two you might not have any openings at your company, but maybe we can have some discussions about 
the industry that we share together. Maybe I can offer you some insights from my experience that can be takeaways that later on you filed in your index card system in your mind that three months later you think, I remember my conversation with so-and-so and and it seems to me he's an expert in thus-and-such and I've just run into an affiliate that needs somebody in that arena. I'll pick up the phone and say, hey, Charlie, why don't you give my friend a call? They've got some openings. Exactly. And every time that I go to this type of a meeting with a person I've met, I always take a notebook with me. I am writing down notes. Here's a book that I might want to read. Here's an article that they plan to send me. How are we going to be accountable to one another? Here's your to-do list and here's my to-do list in the time between our meeting. Does it become then ultimately more productive if our focus when we go in is more on relationship building than simply getting a job? I mean, the getting the job part seems to kind of be cutting to the chase. But then if so many people are coming back saying, I'm not having much success with this, clearly that ought to be an indication you need to retool your approach and your thinking. That's right. What you want to do then is to take a look at how you are putting yourself out there. Mm. When we put ourselves... Perception. Yes. Perception Uh. is, you know... Everything. Like real estate. Location, location, location. (laughs) Job hiring is perception, perception, perception. And so I think in this case, what people will do is put themselves out in a way where they look needy and Mm. desperate. And think about what we do with people who approach us from that point of view. We want to run the other way. ourselves. Exactly. Because we're not quite sure what it is that we can do to be of help. Or we want to step in and rescue them to where they don't have to or want to do anything. We're doing all the work for them. On the point of integrity and being truthful, is the issue of appearing to be sincere also important? And by that, I mean it's very easy for people to go into a social setting in an effort to network because I need a job. Certain realities, you know, funny how the bank wants their check every month in PG&E, too, and the kids have developed this terrible habit they like to eat. Um, and yet, when we go in and we take the approach that we're needy, or if we're not seemingly genuine about the relationship building, people will pretty quickly see through that, won't they? It doesn't take very long. We can pretty much figure out, at least on a subconscious level, that this is going on Mm -hmm. within 10 to 15 seconds of meeting someone. So again, back to that issue of perception. We need to be genuine about the approach and, and what it means in terms of being serious about relationship building. And I guess also, too, the whole idea of hit and run, as you mentioned earlier, to get in, get the job and disappear. You know, there might be some long term value in not only building, but maintaining that relationship down through the years that could serve me when I need another job later on or when I'm looking for a consultant or something of that sort. And as you were saying, Craig, it's really what goes beyond the job search. These are long-term relationships that you're looking to build with people. As, for instance, technology, what's happening there with the changes? We're looking now at children who are in elementary school. By the time they're finished with college, everything that they've learned in elementary school will probably be obsolete. So it's keeping with the times. 
And the way that you do that is through talking to other people in the field. Getting the ball rolling. I want to talk about that when we come back after a timeout. We can talk about some of the the icebreakers, so to speak, and then roll into where you take some copious notes. And that is a list of Dr. David Petrovay's do's and don'ts of networking. So grab the pen and paper, pull off to the side of the road if you need to. We're going to also share a telephone number and a website address with you momentarily where you can find out more. Dr. David Petrovay is with us tonight in studio. He is an expert in the arena of networking, career building, job finding, how to rekindle and restart your career, how to get a fresh whole new approach to either what you want to do for the second half of your life or perhaps just getting back into the working world again and getting the job that you deserve and that will be most satisfying and most rewarding to you, not just economically, but personally and professionally as well. I'll look at icebreakers and Dr. David's list of do's and don'ts as our conversation continues here on this edition of Lifeline. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. I'll mention, by the way, as we welcome you back to the conversation, Dr. David Petrovay is available for private consultations, and uh, you meet with clients all the time. And if folks want to get more information, a couple of easy ways to contact Dr. David. You can do it through the uh, the time-tested method of the telephone at area code 650-400-7461. That's 650-400-7461. Or on the web at David. Petrovay, P-E-T-R-O-V-A-Y, coaching.com. That's David Petrovay, coaching.com. Just before the break, we were talking about in the social settings, when we're networking, to get the conversation started that doesn't begin with, hi, I need a job, here's my card and my resume, but rather can be that common ground we were talking about earlier. Maybe you can give us a couple of suggested icebreakers. Oftentimes, we're we're in a setting where we're nervous, um, we, we want to get a conversation started, but we just quite know how to find or or begin the conversation to establish that common ground? Well, my experience with icebreakers, they're very important in terms of how you make your way into a conversation with someone. There are a few of them that I've heard and I've gotten feedback from others about Ooh, you might want to stay away from. Like, you know, do you come here often? (laughs) What's your sign? Yeah, what's your sign? So 1970s. (laughs) One of the ones that is so common and so overused and people just want to run the other way when they hear it, Craig, is, so what do you do for a living? Okay. Now, imagine when you've been approached by that and you've been out of work Mm. for quite a while. That can be a little embarrassing, a little awkward. It's how we identify ourselves in this culture. We identify ourselves by what we do Mm -hmm. as opposed to who we are. So I would suggest that you you refrain from starting with that one. And that also might be a case in some scenarios. Let's say that we're in a uniquely social setting. I might be here because I don't want to be thinking about work. And I'd rather talk about anything else. But you won't open up the conversation with what do you do for a living? And, well, that's an immediate turnoff. Well... In the field that I'm in, sometimes if I talk about the fact that I do what I do, ooh, let me see if I can get some free advice. Sure, here. absolutely. And yeah. Every attorney knows that story, right. too. And it's, <laughs> it's turned into, was I just at a social event or was I just working mm-hmm. for yeah. the last hour? Doctors feel that way, right. too. The other point that you might want to stay away from is asking someone what they did for 
and it would might be a religiously based holiday mm-hmm. like Christmas. If you don't know the other person's religious beliefs and they're very different from what you've just asked them, that can cause an awkward situation or moment. The other one is, for gosh sakes, stay away from the how's it going or what's up. Mm. Okay, yeah. that's... Terribly pedestrian sounding and, and uh, not very indicative of somebody who's a very uh, a social butterfly or very intelligent. Right. This is, this is an immediate indication. This is not going to be a spellbinding, engaging conversation, but rather one from which I want to escape. Oh, I think I have a pot roast in the oven. Excuse me. Yes. You? Yeah. And then finally, starting any conversation with a negative comment, because that's going to be the first impression you leave with mm-hmm. someone. Mm-hmm. Uh, gee, there's no one here. And the other person thinks to themselves, what am I, chopped liver? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, what do you mean no one? Oh, someone important. Obviously, I'm not it. So you've immediately started off on the wrong foot. Okay, so then in terms of positive icebreakers, how can we get the conversation started right. in the right direction? Sure. So some examples. What do you enjoy doing in your free time? Pretty much everyone can answer that. Where are you from originally? And what did you like about living there? Where did you hear about this event, and what motivated you to attend? Have you been to this event before? So what's the best thing you have ever learned while attending one of these events? Mm -hmm. Where did you go on your last vacation, and what was the high point of your stay there? Or what's the most impressive or memorable place you've ever visited? These are all what we refer to as open-ended questions. When you ask someone, for instance, what you do for a living, they can close that conversation in one word. Mm -hmm. They simply state their conversation, I'm sorry, their occupation, conversation closed. With these, when they talk about their free time, you will begin to learn what they might have in common with you. So it's more engaging. Mm -hmm. It's certainly very disarming. And because we don't always know the motivation as to why the person is there, who might be there just because they want to socialize mm-hmm. and get away from work, maybe they're there with similar goals to yours, you never can tell. But if you start the conversation with a disarming sort of question that's also an engaging one, that you allow me to talk about things that that obviously I'm passionate about, my last vacation, what I do as a hobby, what I think about the event, or, or my observations about having attended previous events. All of these things also tend to allow the conversation to naturally flow and continue to. Well, the other thing about that is when you talk about where you visited, my next question is always, so do you know of any good restaurants? Mm-hmm. And then what can happen is they may not have all the information right at that moment. It now creates an opening for you to continue that conversation outside of that event. Sure. Or, oh, I'd like to learn more about that. What's their favorite dish? What do they prepare well? When you go to Hawaii, uh, what's your favorite place to visit that I may not have been to yet? And why did you like it? What you leave people with is a warm feeling about their interaction with Mm -hmm. you. They'll remember the feeling oftentimes more than the exact words of the conversation. We're associating that relational experience Mm -hmm. with positive feelings, positive experiences, and we're essentially using, we're kind of capitalizing on that, aren't we? We are. 
So if you ask me, where did you go on your last vacation? Oh, we went snorkeling on Kauai and how blue the ocean was. Suddenly, all of these positive memories come flooding back, and I am subconsciously associating them with our conversation when I go back and recall you or when I run into you the next time or we ultimately exchange greeting cards or calling cards, rather. And so what you want to leave with is the question, is this a person that I would want to spend more time getting to know? Mm -hmm. And as I get to know them, I become more comfortable with who they are, and then I begin to learn what they have to offer. You're suddenly making this sound far less complicated, far less intimidating than what it appears to be for most people on the surface. And I think one of the things that we do in order to formalize this whole process is we write books about it and you attend seminars. And what we've done is to put it into the category of something that you must be trained in how to do it, Mm. as opposed to you already have the basic skills. Well, and as you suggested from the get-go, it's kind of doing what comes naturally. If the cavemen were doing this 6,000 years ago, then certainly many of these skills we already have. It's just learning how to harness the power of those skills in the proper and appropriate fashion. Right, right. There's a list of some do's and don'ts, and mm-hmm. I want to get to that after a brief timeout. If you've just joined our conversation, Dr. David Petrovay with us tonight. We are talking about how to use the power of networking to get back into the working world again, to change up your career, to head your life and your career into a whole new direction, to help you get out of that rut. By the way, David is available for private consultations. You can reach him at area code 650-400-7461. That's 650-400-7461. Or on the web at davidpetrovacoaching.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. We are talking about the power of networking and the manner in which you can harness this to get yourself back into the working world or to change up your career and begin doing what you really love to do. Of course, at the end of the day, it comes down to learning how to hone some basic skills, some interpersonal relationship skills that we all hold and have, but sometimes don't know how to properly apply. Dr. David Petrovay is with us. We've talked a bit about some of the icebreakers of getting Getting the conversation going, Dr. David, and finding common ground as we're meeting with folks in whatever the social setting might be. Let's also talk in the arena of networking as it relates to a list of do's and don'ts. Sure. So what I've done is I've put together a list of 10 do's and 10 don'ts from my experience and what I have learned from reading and learning more about networking. And what I'd like to do is offer to your listening audience an opportunity to contact me through my website, and I will forward them the 10 do's and 10 don'ts. Obviously, <clears throat> excuse me, um, it's way more than we could ever cover in one hour. So we just hit on three of each, just as a sampling. So the easy thing to do, and again, make note of his website, davidpetrovaycoaching.com. That's davidpetrovaycoaching.com. And there on the website, they'll find a place where they can then uh, get more information to get copies of the whole list of the 10 do's and 10 don'ts. So all they're going to do is go to the website. It will give my email address and they can send me an email saying I listened to you or a friend told me about the show. Um, Could you please forward me? 
a copy of those ten do's and ten don'ts. And there's no cost or obligation. No cost. It is totally free. Just a great resource to have. Again, at the website, davidpetrovacoaching.com. Work through a couple of the top ones, if you would, sure. David, in the couple of moments that remain. So, in terms of the don'ts, don't approach networking as a what-can-you-do-for-me event. Work on developing relationships over time. Don't make a contest out of handing out as many business cards as possible. Be selective. Don't monopolize one person's time. About 10 to 15 minutes is maximum for the first time that you're talking to someone at a a networking event. Think of the celebrity who works the room. Work the room. Uh, Work the entirety of the room. You might, and it's it's also about the fact that you might be concentrating a lot of effort and energy on one individual, not realizing the person across the room with whom you're not speaking might hold the key to your future's career success. That's a great way to look at it, Craig. So schedule a time together following the event when you can learn more about one another. This shouldn't be a one-time deal. The other thing to recognize is that not everyone that you speak to will become a part of your network. Sure. You can't, we just don't have the time humanly. Is this smart too when you're talking with people to as you're working through the icebreaker and eventually oftentimes these conversations wind down or around to business related matters to approach people on the basis of asking for some advice well that would be a great way to do it so in your experience what have you found works for you and people love to give advice Mm -hmm. that's one thing that we are known for we're advice givers so can you give me some ideas What suggestions might you have? These, again, are great, not so much icebreakers, but ways to engage people, to get their input. And it's in a non-intimidating, non-threatening fashion. That's right. As long as it doesn't come across as, I'm here to pick your brain, Mm -hmm. okay? And it can work both ways. So they give you some ideas, and in return, you might share some ideas with them. Again, if it's related to the vacations, hobbies, any information that you might have. So those are three don'ts. Do's, do be clear on who you are and what you have to offer. When you go to any kind of a networking event, have a plan. Put something in place so that you have an intention for being there. That's a big do. The other one is, again, we talked about the icebreakers, have those available to you. And then finally is do follow up as soon as possible. Mm. Within 24 hours, there should be either a phone call or an email generated talking about the experience of meeting this person. And it can be nothing more than great to meet you at the XYZ Mexer. Look forward to seeing you again sometime. Right. And if you have some information, I'm following up with some information that I promised I would give you. That's integrity. Yeah, we talked about that beautiful restaurant on Maui. Next time you go... Here is the mailing address. Here's the website for them. Again, we have sort of underscored. We've validated that contact. We've also extended that contact. We've taken a step toward taking that contact a bit deeper. And now the next time you run into that individual, you've got a little bit more history together with them, don't you? You do. And that's what you're doing is you're building history with people. That's what networking is all about. A lot of folks 
when they have been dealing with unemployment for quite some season have that sense of being uh, stressed. They are isolated. They're out of the day-to-day network that they used to be in when they would be going to work and engaging with folks. And so there is some effort that needs to be taken to get plugged into networking, be it at a professional level, at a formal business mixer, or with a group of friends or acquaintances or neighbors. All of these are multiple tiers and layers of our overall or grander networking that is available to us. And I guess at the end of the day, it's really understanding what it means to put the power of the relationship to work for us. And that's taking us right back to the very beginning of our conversation, which is about building relationships. Now, learning to skillfully build those relationships that will ultimately lead to the dream career. That ultimately is what Dr. David Petrovay does for all of his clients. And if you'd like to get more information about how to restart your career after you've been downsized or how to ultimately reinvent yourself, create a satisfying career, and learn how to network the right way, give him a call. You can reach him at area code 650-400-7461. And to receive that complimentary copy of the 10 do's and 10 don'ts of networking just log on to davidpetrovaycoaching.com that's davidpetrovaycoaching.com and by returning him email he'll send you that list without cost or obligation dr petrovay thanks again for dropping by Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to KFAX.com. That's KFAX.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time around, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.